Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time that we have to come and study together. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to be able to congregate together. And even though we're online, Lord, I know that your spirit is with us because there's more than two or three gathered here this evening. And so we're asking for your presence, Lord. We're asking for a blessing of the Holy Spirit to come and teach us and to lead us and guide us as we study about faith again. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. For those that don't know, we're going through Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, and we are looking at the faith of Sarah. So please grab your Bibles. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm reading from verse 11 and 12. Hebrews 11, verses 11 and 12. The Bible says this, Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. So look, there is this in the middle of Abraham's faith story, it does seem to take a cut and, and look at Sarah because it says, through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. So look, let's go back to the original story in the Old Testament to understand about Sarah's faith. Let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. Okay, Genesis chapter 15, and we've we've looked at this previously, but we're going to look at it again. Genesis chapter 15, we're starting in verse 1. Genesis 15 verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given me no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought, forth, brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. And tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. You know, Abraham, he comes to God one day and, and he asks God, God, look, how can you make of me a great nation when I don't have a child? God, in order for me to be a great nation, I need a child. And so, you know, he's not strong arming God in that sense. So he says, God, look, I'm going to recommend, recommend my servant Eliezer. He's a faithful man and he can be my heir. He's willing to adopt Eliezer as his son, even though it's not from his own body. It's not literally his own son. But he wants God's promise to be fulfilled. So he says, God, look, I'm willing to just adopt Eliezer. And you please bless him and let your promise be fulfilled through him. And so obviously, look, Abraham and Sarah have probably been trying for a kid for a while and it seems hopeless that Sarah and Abraham are able to have a kid. And so he comes up with this idea. But 
in his conversation right there and then as, as Abraham talks to God, God replies straight away and says, Abraham, look, this is not going to be the inheritor of the promise that I gave you in Genesis 12. It's not going to be Eliezer. It's going to be a son that would come from your own bowels. It'll be a biological son. Do you see that? So God, he makes his promise very clear. He tells Abraham, it's not going to be someone that you adopt. It's going to be from your own body. And not only that, you're going to have so many children that you would not be able to number them. And what is Abraham's response? Genesis 15 verse 6. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Look, Abraham had faith. He believed God's word. What had God done? He hadn't done anything. He just said, Abraham, this is what's going to happen. Abraham believed and God says, as a result, you're righteous. You see that? Look, you got to understand that we can do nothing to be righteous. In Isaiah 64 and verse 6, let's turn the Bibles there. Isaiah 64 and verse 6, look at what the Bible says about our righteousness. Isaiah 64 and verse 6, the Bible says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. All our righteousness is like filthy rags. There is nothing good that we can do to be righteous. Nothing. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. So look, all we need to do though is believe. Why? Because our righteousness is not dependent upon what we do, but on the ability that God has and what He will do. And the thing is this, friends. When God says it, He'll do it. You understand that? That's why creation is so important because God said it. It happened. That's all He did. That's why God created the world by speaking. And all we need to do is to believe. This is why faith is so important. This is why righteousness by faith is not just righteousness that we need to get into heaven. It's righteousness by faith, not in something that we can do, but in something that God is able to do. What is our part? It's faith. It's to believe. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 7 and verse 50. Why is faith so important? Let me show this to you. Luke chapter 7 and verse 50. Okay? Luke 7 verse 50. Why is faith so important? The Bible says this, And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Friends, faith and faith alone saves. Without faith we can never be saved. Do you know that? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. This is a famous text about grace. And look, maybe many of you can quote it, but let me show you what it says here. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Look at what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. We are saved by what? Grace 
through faith. Look, faith is the arm that grabs hold of grace and brings the blessing down to us, brings salvation down to us. Grace saves us. That part, grace, is God's part. It's the gift. But in order to grab the gift, we need faith. That's why it's righteousness. That's God's part. By faith, that's our part. But God has given us all an element of faith to believe. Do you know that? We just got to exercise it. We got to exercise it. We got to believe. We got to hold on to the word of God. And Abraham, he had this tight relationship with God. He knew him. He spoke to him face to face. And so when God spoke it, it was easy for Abraham to believe. But not only that, let's go back to Genesis chapter 15. God ratifies his covenant. He, he ratifies his promise. He, he confirms his promise. Do you know that? Genesis 15, 18 to 21. Let's turn the Bibles there. Genesis 15, 18 to 21. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. He basically says that he's going to give Abraham the whole land. And that do you know that that's something that he had promised at the very beginning when we first encounter the story of Abraham? And, and you know, just hold on a minute. I, I know that the title of our, our, our care group is The Faith of Sarah. We're going to get to that, okay? But we're building on our story, all right? But God, he, he's given this promise to Abraham again, but he gave it before. Let me show you Genesis chapter 12. Let's turn the Bibles back. Three chapters, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7. Look what the Bible says. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So we can sense that probably God knows that Abraham's probably getting anxious about the fulfillment of this promise. God in order for me to inherit this land and to be a great nation, I need more than just me. So he gets Eliezer and God says, no, 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 you're going to have a son. It's going to be through your own bowels. And I'm going to give you this whole land. He ratifies this promise. And Abraham, God can probably sense that he's probably getting a bit anxious. He's still living in a tent. Sure, he's a rich man by now. You know, Egypt, they gave him all these riches, right? But yet the promise unfulfilled. But God says, look, Abraham, I've not forgotten. So he repeats the promise as if to say, Abraham, don't worry. What I've promised, I will do it. So what happens next? God promises to Abraham, you're going to have a son. And, you know, he probably runs back so overjoyed, right? Ready to tell his wife, what conversation he just had with God. Let's now go to Genesis 16 and start in verse 1. Genesis 16 and verse 1. Now Sarai, Abraham's, Abraham's wife, bare him no children. 
And she had an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarai. So Sarah, at this point, she has no faith in what God said. Abraham, God might have told you, but he never told me. You know, they obviously must have been trying to have a child for a long time until the point of what? Sarai, Sarah, she gave up hope. And so even though God has come spoke speaking to Abraham, and Abraham runs back with joy saying, hey, God's promised that we're going to have a son. And Sarah says what? In verse 2, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. And not only that, she goes one step further. Well, since God promised you, go take this woman, my maid, go sleep with her, and you can have your son. You know, at this point, Sarah absolutely has no faith. Friends, the biggest challenge to faith is what we see with our own eyes and what we think our experience is sufficient wisdom to guide us. we got to be really careful with this. You know, the challenge with Sarah is she had this experience of, we don't know how many years of trying and no child no child. And then Abraham, his challenge was what? God's word versus his wife's word. And this is a challenge that many of us face. God's word versus man's word. And you see, friends, today, man says the Ten Commandments are not relevant, but God says you got to keep it. Who are you going to listen to? Today, man says, it's okay to lie for a good cause. God says, thou shalt not lie. Today, man says, um, you got to try before you buy. God says, don't commit adultery or even fornication. You know, it's faith versus doubt. It's, it's man's word versus God's word. And, you know, what are we going to listen to? And obviously, you know, when we read in a book, it it sometimes is challenging because the person that stands before us, they have experience of years. They they say, it's okay, and look at me, and and they'll say, "I've, I've turned out okay. You understand that? And sometimes it's our own experiences that get in the way of believing and trusting God. For example, do you believe that you can have true joy even though you follow God's Ten Commandments? Do you believe that God gave those Ten Commandments to you so that you can be happy because He loves you? Well, I experience my experiences. I want to go out with my friends and I don't want to keep the Sabbath. I I don't want to not lie. You know, these things get me in trouble in a sense. And so it's really man's word and really our experiences versus God's word and what He has said in the Bible. Remember, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. The text I always refer to every lesson. So then faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, we got to believe God to the extent that we expect and we depend upon his word 
to do what it says because God's word has self-fulfilling power. Do you know that? When God speaks, it will happen. But when it's in reference to us, it's according to how much we believe. You see that? So look, we don't know how long Abraham and Sarah have been trying for, but long enough to give up hope. And for Abraham first to say, hey, God, choose Eliezer, my servant. And for Sarah to say what? Abraham, go sleep with my handmaid, Hagar, and you'll have your son. That's what happens when we let go of the word, friends. That's what happens when we get desperate and we take matters into our own hands. And it even seems to make us unreasonable. I mean, how could a wife tell her husband to go sleep with another woman, especially someone that's inferior to her, her maid? When we step out of the boundaries of faith, it makes us unreasonable. Yes, the world looks at us. When you begin to exercise faith, you know, the world looks at us and says, we're unreasonable. How can you believe in creation? When the whole world believes in evolution and we say it's so clear when it really isn't. Or how can you take one day off when the whole world works on that day? You see that? But really, when you look at it from the God standpoint, it really makes us unreasonable. And, you know, some would say that God is being unreasonable. But when God speaks, He's never unreasonable because His Word is the very thing that fulfills His promise. That's what it is. His Word in it is found a power to accomplish what He says. So, Abraham goes into Hagar, has a son, Ishmael. And look, at this point, how old is Abraham? So we're in beginning of Genesis chapter 16, okay? And where Abraham ran to Sarah and she said, go into to my handmaid and have a son. And so he has a son, Ishmael comes out. How old is he at this time? Let's go to the end of Genesis chapter 16. The Bible says here, Genesis 16, verse 15 and 16. And Hagar bare Abraham a son, and Abraham called his son's name, which Hagar bare, Ishmael. And Abraham was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abraham. Abraham was what? Eighty-six years old. Okay? Now, we're going to move from the end of Genesis 16 there to the very next chapter, the first verse. Genesis 17, verse 1. Look at this. And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Friends, how old was Abraham at the end of Genesis 16? He was 86 years old. And then the very next verse, it's the next chapter, yes, but it's the next verse. He's 99 years old now. At this time, you know, we just go from one verse to another. 13 years have passed. At this point, Ishmael is 13 years old. Keep this in mind as we continue to look at what's about to happen here in Genesis chapter 17, verse 2. So God's already come to Abraham and he says, I'm Almighty God, walk before me. Verse 2, And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Sounds like a promise he's already made. 
And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Something Abraham already knows. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abraham, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. So his name itself has been changed to this meaning. And God is saying, look, you're going to be a father of many nations. This is why I'm changing your name. It's a reminder this promise is certain. Verse 6, And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Nothing new that God is saying. This is the third time God is coming and He's repeating His promise that He gave to Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12. And now Abraham is able to visualize this promise a bit better now that God is coming to him. Why? Because he's got a son, Ishmael. When he says, I'm going to make you fruitful, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, I'm going to give you this land, it's like, yes, Ishmael, 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 right? This is exactly what Abraham is thinking. And, you know, when, when God comes, you're Abraham and you're thinking, okay, God, thank you. Now you're about to establish my son, right? But let's continue. Verse 15 now. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah for her name for shall her name be, and I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face, look at this, and laughed and said in his heart. Who fell on his face? It was Abraham. And he laughed in his heart, saying what? Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Do you see that? So God says, not only to Abraham, but now he focuses on Sarah. They're 10 years apart. Her name is changed as well, just as much as Abraham's name is changed as well. These two are forever linked in regards to his covenant. Do you see that? But Abraham laughs. He's like, okay, okay, God, God. Yes, yes. Sarah's my wife, but Ishmael. Do you see that? All his thought is in this chapter when God comes to him, you know, I don't know, maybe God has been silent for 13 years and I don't know why God waited this long. 13 years passes by. 13 years Abraham has been looking at Ishmael 13 years as a promised one. Look, my daughter is not even 10 years old yet, and that's a mighty long time. Think about this. Where were you 13 years ago? What were you doing? I can tell you where I was. I was back in U.S. 
I just, I'm one year removed, graduated from theology school. 13 years. I'm not even married yet. I've not even met my wife yet. 13 years. Abraham has been looking at Ishmael like he's the promised one. And so you can imagine, there in verse 18, Abraham says to God, God, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. God, don't forget, my son. Look, why would it have been a big problem? I mean, why, why did Abraham laugh? Abraham's 100 years old. Sarah's 90 years old. They're 10 years apart, okay? I mean, why would this have been a big problem? You know, Abraham's like, God, Ishmael, he can't think of any other option. He, he just laughs, like, how can Sarah have a kid? Number one, she had obviously not been able to have kids. And it wasn't Abraham's fault because when he slept with Hagar, she had kids. But when you go to Romans chapter 4, let's turn our Bibles there. Romans chapter 4, why does Abraham laugh? Look at this, verse 19. Romans chapter 4 and verse 19. Let's turn the Bibles there. Romans 4, verse 19. The Bible says this, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. Whose body? Abraham. When he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of what? Sarah's womb. You know, when God comes to Abraham in Genesis 17, and he's saying, God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you, right? At this point in time, not only had Sarah's womb died, Abraham's body had died as well. He was not able to have any more kids. So both, both sides of the equation had problem. So that's why you can imagine Abraham's laughing and says, look, impossible. Maybe it didn't take much faith 13 years earlier because, you know, he was still, I guess, healthy in his body, Abraham, but Sarah's womb probably at the age of 76 because Abraham was 86 and they're 10 years apart. At the age of 76, maybe her womb had already died. So for 23, no, 23, for, for 13 years, her womb didn't get any better. In fact, Abraham's body got worse, right? So look, this is the why Abraham is laughing and he's saying, look, God, it's impossible. Ishmael. Ishmael. But what happens? Let's go back to Genesis 17. Genesis 17 and Abraham, he's recommended Ishmael. And what happens? Verse 19. Genesis 17, verse 19. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Do you see that? God's direction is very clear. He even gives the name of the son of Sarah and Abraham. He doesn't even leave it to the hands of Abraham and Sarah to name their own child. His name is going to be Isaac. And I am going to establish my covenant with him forever and his seed. And as for Ishmael, I've heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish 
with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Friends, God makes it very clear. He makes it very clear. Look, how would you have felt if you were Abraham? God, why didn't you tell me 13 years earlier? Well, you see, the thing is this. God did tell him. But the problem with Abraham and the reason why Ishmael came out was because he lacked faith. Do you understand that? Because Abraham listened to his wife over God's word 13 years earlier or 14 years earlier and conceived and then out came Ishmael a year later, this is why they were in this predicament, so to speak. It wasn't God's fault. God's command was clear. It would be through Abraham, yes, but he never asked Abraham to go and sleep with Hagar. 13 years earlier, if Abraham had said to Sarah, Sarah, I hear what you say, but come, let's not be foolish. Let's just try. If they just had tried one time, in Genesis 16, at the very beginning of that chapter, if, if they had just tried one time, Isaac would have come out. But they didn't even try. And that was the problem, friends. You know, when it comes to God's Word, sometimes we, we see things in His Word that are just so unbelievable that we don't even try to believe it. We don't even try to keep it. We don't even try to do it. And we have so many roadblocks in our mind that we don't even try. And 13 years earlier, 14 years earlier, Abraham didn't even try. He just listened to his wife. And today, look, it seems like, um, you know, why, why does God bless him when he lies and then when he commits fornication or adultery? Look, those are the custom of those times. This is not what God approves today. Do you know that? In Genesis chapter 4, let's go there. Genesis chapter 4, who was the first one to have more than one wife? Genesis 4 verse 17, look at this. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and he builded a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Erad, and Erad begat Mahujael, and Mahujael begat Methusael, and Methusael begat Lamech. And verse 19, And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. You know, where did this idea of polygamy come from and two wives, it was not from the descendants of God. It was from the descendants of Cain, the wicked one. And even after God had cleansed the flood, the cleansed the world by a flood and Noah's family was left, the, the, the seed of sin and its root was still there, even though the whole world in a sense was cleansed. And this understanding of two wives is from the world. And why does it seem like God blessed? He didn't bless Abraham. Abraham's body was not dead yet. Do you understand that? God did not bless in that sense. Abraham, he went ahead of God and did something that God never asked him to do. And I just want to pause for a moment here. And, and you know, we, we can't always point to the Old Testament for our sins. You know, that's, that's when people become wholehearted Old Testament believers when we want to find something to justify our sinful ways. Oh, you know, Rahab lied, so it's okay for us to lie. And here, uh, you know, 
Abraham had two wives, so it's okay for us to have two wives or, you know, commit adultery here and there. No, friends, they were living in a time where the light was limited. God had not revealed everything. In the very beginning, God only created Adam and Eve, one man, one woman. And that's how he has always intended for it to be. And when you look at the life of Abraham and marrying Sarah and then having another wife in Hagar, it just caused him lots of family issues. We've got to be careful when we, we follow the Old Testament and we think that their sins are excusable in our day, but they were living in a time of limited light. God had not revealed everything, friends. But today, thousands of years later, the truth is shining brightly as the noonday sun upon us all. We can find the truth if we search for it with all our hearts. But anyways, look, let's come back to Genesis 17. God says, Abraham, Ishmael's not the one. It's going to be Sarah. Let's now go to Genesis chapter 18. And this is when the three visitors come to visit Abraham and he feeds them and talks to them and constrains them to stay and eat with them, you know. And Genesis 18 verse 9, look at this. And they said unto him, Abraham, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am old, shall I shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? God returns and tells Abraham and Sarah this time, and now this time it's Sarah's turn to laugh. Same reaction that Abraham had. It was unbelievable. Did she have faith? Didn't seem like it, did it? That's the reason why she laughed. We can still see here that she is still doubting God's word. But what does God do? He doesn't stop there. Verse 13. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying what? I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. You know, God puts Sarah in her place, talks directly to her. She has a conversation with God himself as well. And he gives this greatest of promises that we like to quote here. Is anything too hard for the Lord? A rhetorical question. Friends, really, is anything too hard for the Lord? Of course not. Of course not. The God that spanned the heavens and put the skies in their place just by the breath of His mouth, He can create a son. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. When God says it, He will do it because in His Word, there is found the self-fulfilling power. What do we need to do? We just got to believe. And friends, why is belief so important? You see, in Genesis 16, lack of belief caused them not to try. 
when Abraham says, we're going to have a son, Sarah says, go to Hagar. They didn't even try. But faith, even though you might have a little bit of doubt, if you have faith like a mustard seed and you're willing to give it a try, God will open the Red Sea before you. He will do a miracle before your very eyes that it will be so clear that God, He reigns in heaven above. Friends, have you experienced God's Word in your life? Have you experienced the miracles and how God says, I will be with you and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I, I came here to bless you and not to curse you. God wants to give the very best to His children. But we got to believe in the area of diet. Do you believe that what God gives and, and counsels in the Word, do you believe that that's the very best that God wants to give us? Or do you think that you know better? Or your experiences tell you that it's better to eat a certain way? Friends, go to the Word first. Don't go to science. Don't go to experience. None of these two have anything to do with faith. Nothing. Our belief must be built upon the Word of God. You know, God is so gracious. He gives us room to grow. He's giving Sarah room to grow in her faith. He's like, is anything too hard for me? What do you think, Sarah? Remember that. Don't forget. Genesis 21, verse 1. Look at this. Genesis 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God spoke, had spoken unto him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born to him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. The promise is finally fulfilled. Sarah gives birth to Isaac, who is the promised one. You know, in the verses that we read here, it doesn't seem like Sarah has much faith. It seems like she's struggling with her faith throughout the whole thing, doesn't it? It seems like she's doubting at every corner. But yet we read in Hebrews 11 that Sarah definitely did have a part to play. She must have repented after God spoke to her directly and said, Sarah, is anything too hard for me? You forget who I am. She must have had faith. If we go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11, let me remind you what the Bible says that we read at the very beginning of this study. Through faith also. Through what? Through faith also. Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Sarah had faith eventually. I want to speak to all those that are out there in relationships today, to spouses. You know, it's so important to find one who is equally yoked. And look, you might go to church, but you might not have the same faith. Do you understand that? Not everyone is called to be a pastor's wife. And, you know, my wife, she didn't know that what she was getting into, and neither did I when we got married. But I tell you, because my wife is a praying woman, she is able to adapt and change and accept God's leading in my life. And it's not because she just blindly follows. It's not because she just 
has no thoughts of her own and, you know, I'm the stronger character in the family and she just follows like that. No, friends. I'm blessed with a godly wife. And my dear friends, you got to pray for a good woman or a good man so that when times are tough, she'll pray for you as well. This just highlights the importance of good godly spouses, husbands and wives. So this is the reason why God says don't be unequally yoked together. Because when you fall, your wife will probably, or your your husband will just mock you. See, you're no better than the rest of the world. Instead of going, oh, I need to pray for my husband. He's in trouble. He's struggling. There are many times, friends, that I've thought to leave the ministry. There are many times that I wanted to go back to the world. My, My wife has not only prayed, but she told me, no, God called you. It's so important to have good and godly spouses. And yes, look, it's not that she believed at the very beginning, right? But yet she has an honorable mention in the hall of faith there in Hebrews 11. By faith also Sarah received strength to conceive. She eventually came around. And so for those that think, oh, you know, I don't have Abraham, you got to be like an Abraham. you got to pray for your wife. you got to pray for your husband that they would have the same faith as you. Not, not uh, if, if they are not of the same faith, like, you know, they don't go to the same denomination or the same church or the same, they don't have the same religion as you, pray for them, yes. But even those that are Christian as well, you got to pray for your wife, your husband, that they would have the wisdom of heaven, that they will be filled with the Holy Spirit, that they would be guided by God and have faith, not, not built upon you, but their own experience with Jesus Christ. Friends, is anything too hard for the Lord? When God gives you His Word and asks you to perform it, He gives you the very tools to do it as well. Who's the most important voice in your life today? That's the greatest challenge to many of our own faith, do you know? Is it our parents? Is it our friends? Is it our boss or our lecturer? Is it our spouse maybe, or maybe even our kids? I pray that we would learn this lesson of faith that God is trying to teach us. That He'd help us to put God's Word above every part of man's Word. Yes, sometimes it requires a cross. But if only Abraham had stood up to his wife in Genesis 16, it would have saved him all that heartache and sorrow in Genesis 17. So friends, God, He wants you to learn to put Him first today. His Word in your heart. So that as we learn to walk with Him, that as we learn to step out in faith, especially to the men out there, that you can lead your family in the way of the Lord. And as you look back, you will see that the Abrahamic covenant was not just for Abraham himself, but God desires to bless you today as well so that you can be a blessing. May God give us the faith of Abraham and the faith of Sarah as well today. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Thank you so much for this word to encourage us again. 
Help us, O Lord, to hold on to you in spite of what we see, in spite of what we hear. Help us, Lord, to put you first. Help us to trust your word. Help us to spend time and have a deep relationship and an interaction with Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that when he comes with these words and some of them seeming commands, we know that what you give us is for our best. You desire the best for all of us. And so, Lord, please, Help us to step out in faith today. May you please strengthen our faith and help us to remember always nothing is too hard for you, O Lord. And so in spite of circumstances that get thrown our way that cause us to forget sometimes, help us to hold on to the word and never forget that not only do you love us and care for us, but you are more than able to do in our circumstances, to to help us in our circumstances, even though sometimes we ourselves cannot see it. So help us to hold on by faith to you today, O Lord. Guide us through our trials, our sorrows, our problems. Help us to see Jesus and his never-failing word and promises to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.